Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to On Texas Football. It's time for the Saturday conversation. I thought I'd have a special guest on uh, today, given the fact of all of the NIL news recently, uh, NCA rulings, the 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 uh, uh, brain trust of the NCA continues to get battered in the in the courts. Uh, and I want to bring in someone that has some experience in this uh, this category. Tom McMillan is a former U.S. representative to Congress uh, from the state of Maryland. Uh, he is uh, also the president of Lead One Association, uh, a group of uh, uh, people that uh, actually are trying to lead uh, for positive change in college athletics uh, right now. Uh, Tom, I, I appreciate you coming in. We're going to talk a little NIL, a little college sports and what's going on. Uh, but tell people first about your organization and, and really what you guys are trying to do that is different from the NCAA. Uh, as an organization or association? So we are an association. We represent the 133 schools of the football bowl subdivision. Those are all the schools that, you know, the 10 big conferences. And uh, we primarily work on policy issues involving, you know, as transfers or academic misconduct or NIL or you name it. Uh, We try to work with our members on figuring out the pathway, the best pathway. And quite frankly, the 130 schools through 33 schools may not always have the same interests as schools outside that group. So there are, that's why it's really a subset. It's not, not part of the NCAA. We work with the NCAA, uh, but it's really, it's its own standalone association of those schools. And, the athletic directors from those schools. Gotcha. You have you guys have uh, numerous meetings and conversations, et cetera, ongoing. Yeah. You've spoken before Congress. What what is your just general take right now? I mean, you're also a two time All American basketball player. Played 13 years, I believe, in the NBA. Uh, you, you don't look it necessarily from your your view in the camera, but I think you're six foot ten or something. So. I am six <laughs> ten and a half. Yeah, you're, you're a tall guy. My question is, what is your general takeaway right now about where we sit in college athletics as a whole? Well, I would say the courts are very assertive right now. They're all over the country. I think the NCAA has four antitrust lawsuits. Uh, the case uh, in the Eastern District of T- Tennessee about name, image, likeness is just one more case. There's the National Labor Relations Board. There's looking at employment issues there's a a court in pennsylvania third district looking at employment issues you've got 
in California, employment issues. Uh, you've got state legislatures. You have a number of bills in Congress dealing with this. So it's a very turbulent time. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. When I was in Congress uh, in the 90s, we passed the first real NC college sports bill. There, There's only been three pure college sports bills in the last 50 years, and we we passed the first one, which was to disclose graduation rates of student athletes. And so this is a, a rare time. I've never seen such interest across the board by the courts, by the regulatory agencies, and by Congress. So it's, it's turbulent. Uh, you know, and I had a chance to sit down with Charlie Baker last week, and, uh, you know, it, it, his, his plate is really full. There's no question about it. And, you know, where I see it all going, you know, there's this definitely this, uh, this push for employment and rights and collective bargaining for student athletes. Um, I don't know if that, because I don't know if we're going to, we're going to get there probably through courts and so forth, but it'll be very patchwork. If, if the system was left alone and nothing happened, you might have a, a court here in the third circuit, or you may have California. It'll be a kind of a crazy environment, very patchwork. Certain conferences may take it upon themselves. So I don't, I don't know if that will happen. I think it's more likely that Congress will come to some kind of agreement to give student athletes a lot more rights, but to not cross over that Rubicon of employment. Um, that's just my guess. I had a conversation this morning with a, a member's office who's very important these issues. And I think that, I think ultimately that people understand, look, student athletes, particularly the revenue sports, need a lot, need a, a fair a fair deal because they bring in so much revenue. But then there's 95% of the sports that are part of our Olympic effort, that are core to our country and giving these kids opportunities that don't bring much money in. And if you turn them into employees, they're going to get their sports cut and they're going to be denying opportunities. So how you balance those things is really tricky. And I think, I think, you know, Congress will try to do more to help the student athlete, give them better health and safety protection, try not to make them employees and to try to, 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 uh, to deal with the fact that particularly football and basketball players bring in a lot of money and coaches are making a lot of money. There probably has to be a new, a new compact, a new contract of sorts for them. But that doesn't mean we need to, you know, maybe treat the softball players exactly the same. So it's very tricky. It's complicated. Uh, I think there's progress being made, believe it or not, even in this congressional climate. And I think that I'm an optimist that at the end of the day, uh, this will get fixed. The problem is there's so many pressing problems in Congress. And also, this hasn't quite, quite risen to the level of a crisis. I know athletic directors and football, football coaches and basketball coaches think it may be. But for the average congressman, this is probably not on the top 10 list. And so that's a, that's a problem, too. N not in an election year, too, by the not way. Not an election year, too. Yeah, I mean, that, that 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 you say all this, and it sounds good. I'm glad you're an optimist. That's that's a that's a positive thing. The question I would ask um, is, when do you see all this occurring? Because um, while you say it hasn't crossed that crossed the Rubicon into mm -hmm. crisis mode, uh, 
I think people on the ground floor of college sports and college athletics, uh, like Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte, might disagree with that characterization, right? Where, hey, we've got things going on right now where we have to ask general counsels for the under to, to even understand what the new rules of the NCAA are, what apply, what doesn't. I mean, what what do you have to say about that? Well, I didn't mean to apply. I didn't. Mean, I think no. I think Chris is right. I didn't mean to imply that uh, these things aren't impacting uh, athletic departments. I was talking about the big global yeah, employment yeah. issue. You know, the Tennessee case is a classic, you know, uh, example because the the district uh, judge there basically said, where heretofore collectives couldn't be offering deals and offers to kids who have enrolled, now they can. And uh, that kind of flies in the face of the NCAA rules, flies in the face of a lot of state laws. And so it's very complicated. You know, the NCAA is going to come out with some guidance next week, but I presume it's going to be very permissive. Uh, They don't want to suffer more lawsuits in other courts across the country. So for the athletic director, Bobby, to your point, this is extremely difficult trying to figure out how to stay ahead of the of the posse here. And it's not easy. But uh, from the global standpoint of trying to get all this resolved, because the NIL issues need to be resolved, the employment issue needs to be resolved, probably going to end up being Congress. A lot of people aren't optimistic about that. I do think that they can get something done. It may not happen this year. I think there's a chance it could. But I do think it'll eventually get done. It may get real messy before it gets done, but I do think it'll get done. So you think there will be the NCAA may release new guidance next week? Uh, no, I that- think that I think they've indicated they're going to release new guidance when that comes. I'm not. I, I, I would presume they want to do it pretty quickly because they not only have to educate coaches, athletic departments, and say what you can do and what you can't do. And your relationships with the collectives have changed, but they also have to educate their athletes, their, their student athletes. I mean, this is a, although it's a very narrow order that came out of, of Tennessee, it's a, it's a step down a pathway that, you know, what makes everybody uh, think, think about the consequences. I mean, the, the ir- irony of this uh, decision is that the NBA, the NCAA's rules about there's got to be, a quid pro quo. In other words, you just can't give, call it NIL and, and and not have do something for it. It's still in place. There's still no pay for play rules in place and the schools can't directly compensate. But I think all that world is going to uh, change. Um, even Charlie uh, Baker's recent proposal said, let's bring NIL back within the school. Let's kind of take it more away from the collectives and hear this court case now says, no, let's make the collectives bigger and stronger. So uh, there's a lot of pull and tension here. And I think the NCAA has got to try to resolve it without hopefully getting more lawsuits. Let me ask you this. Is the NCAA even the answer? Or or do they have so many constituents? This is one of the reasons why you exist. The top 133 football playing schools in some regards because Mm -hmm. the entire NCAA doesn't, I mean, look, they're worried about division three. Now they don't get focused on for division three, but is that why 
people such as yourself even exist to some degree to kind of to manage or kind of deal with those situations for the schools that are, lack of a better term, revenue generators from their sports programs? Well, Bobby, first of all, we're advisory. And your point is well taken, though. There needs to be greater federation in college sports. Not all schools are the same. Our, even our 133 schools, and that number is growing, aren't the same. There's very difference between you know, a Texas A&M, a Texas, and some of our smaller schools. So there's there are big differences in how you reconcile that. It's very, very different. You know, Charlie's talking about, he talked about a division of the biggest might be half of our schools. So a lot of this has to be resolved. It, it, there's obviously not the same. I mean, this NIL court case doesn't affect the smaller schools as it does affect the bigger schools. And so that has to be accommodated for, no, no question about it. Got it. Uh, speaking with Tom McMillan, uh, head of uh, Lead 1A. Uh, Tom, I, other questions I had for you, uh, and you mentioned this, uh, transfer, recruiting rules. Uh, it seems to me like the NCAA, at one point in time, they had two signing periods for basketball, right? Uh, I think it was November and April. And they have one signing period for football, which was just which was first Wednesday in February. Then they added a, a signing period for 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 uh, December in football, as well as one in February. Now they're talking about putting one in the summertime for football before a prospect has even played his senior year. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Are they just... Is it just me, or do you feel like these rules are just reshuffling deck chairs at some level? Should the player just be able to sign whenever they want, number one, or should we revert to where everybody signs at a single period of time? Well, we don't get it. Without that's, that's a question that, to me, those big schools have a, a you know, there's there seems to be a level of um, – emphasis on them compared to the to the smaller schools that frankly you could sign in april already you know if you wanted to a football player so what, what are your thoughts on that well i think the ncaa has to be able to impose what's called pro-competitive rules i mean you can't have look at the nfl or the nba i mean they the commissioner constantly is imposing rules and the, and the, and the, and the, and the leagues are imposing rules on teams. I mean, that's just part of having a national sports enterprise. But what's happened is that in these antitrust cases, uh, 
lawyers, the plaintiff lawyers are taking on all these rules and saying they're unfair and they're unfair. And that, that creates an untenable environment for the NCAA. And to leave it to the conferences uh, to make the rules, which might be, you know, under antitrust law, uh, uh, treated differently, it's still, it's kind of crazy to let all your competitors make the rules either. So there needs to be what, what, what they call a safe harbor for the someone, the NCAA, to be able to make the rules. But to your point, the rules have to be very segmented. There's a, whatever rules work for these 133 or, or less schools are maybe very different than the rules for the smaller schools. And, and you know, we, we had that. You know, that's the whole idea of autonomy was that they would be able to set these rules up. But what's happened is that the NCAA and, and the conferences, too, are in uh, uh, triple triple damages antitrust hell. And no matter what they do, they get sued retroactively for damages on, on, on a triple basis. And so just to use the house case as an example where, you know, they're suing for retroactive NIL benefits as well as a piece of television rights with triple damages that can be over four billion dollars and so it's impossible for an organization to be able to, to to handle that and as i said the ncaa now is four antitrust cases there's more every day and the only one that can really correct this is congress they got to create a more stable environment uh, fair to the kids but it also has to be balanced and and recognize that a small school is going to have very different issues than, as I said, many of the schools in Texas. So co Congress, is there is there a possibility here that the NCAA, because of all these potential damages that you're talking about, is just not in the business of the top 50 to 60 schools in two or three years? Well, anybody wants to step into that is going to recognize that, number one, unless they have that antitrust protection, they're going to say the same, face the same things that the NCAA is facing. That's why the college football playoff wants to be an event business. They don't want anything to do with this rulemaking, decision-making, because they want to stay out of the sights of the antitrust lawyers. So the NCAA has a tough job, and I do think it's an important uh, role. Uh, they get pounded on. I think Charlie Baker's done a great job trying to address it. You know, he said to me, which I think is kind of a fair comment, he wishes he was here three years ago because, you know, he, he really jumped into a, a hot pan. And I think if he had been here a little earlier, he could have made some steps to, to deal with this. But, you know, as I said, I'm an optimist. I think that when the, when the gets hot enough, I think Congress will say, look, we, we need to straighten this out. We can't have college sports subjected to every, you know, antitrust lawyer. And I can tell you, the antitrust lawyers love this. They don't want this settled. They they want to have sue for this rule, sue for that rule, because it's a, a tremendous payday for them. And I don't think that's good for college sports. I mean, at some point in time, we have to come up with a model that's fair to the student-athletes, that works for college sports, and gets the antitrust lawyers out of this. I, I agree. So who's going to do that? that well, that's I, my, I, I completely agree with you. Who is going to step forward and actually make that happen? 
Well, I think, you know, Senator Cruz you're from Texas is working on it. He's working closely with the Democrats. There is some bipartisan work going on. Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut um, and, and Cory, Senator Booker from uh, New Jersey. There, there's really an effort to accomplish this. And it may not solve all the problems, but I think they're trying to address this because they realize, look, there are, there's a lot of arguments on the side of the student athletes. There's a lot of arguments uh, on the, you know, the colleges need more stability. And by the way, college sports is doing pretty well right now. I mean, it's unprecedented amount of fans, television audience. In some respects, they're a product of their success. I mean, this is a byproduct of their successes. So that's the good thing. You know, this is like a company where your people are clamoring for your products. It's just that your internal internal operations are kind of screwed up. And that's kind of where it is right now. You'd rather have that where people love your product and your product's doing real well than the other way around where you might have your operations perfect, but people don't want what you're selling. So I think there's a great opportunity here and I'm confident and I'm optimistic it will get straightened out. End of the day, how do you think this, I, we appreciate your time, by the way. Uh, sure, much, anytime. Um, end of the day, how do you think this all ends up uh, in, say, give me, give me three years hence. What do you, is it revenue sharing for athletes? Are they employees or not employees? Three years hence, what? give me your crystal ball thoughts on, on how all this ends up. Well, I'm not saying that they won't be declared employees by some court. At the end of the day, I think that Congress will uh, codify a model short of employment, but very similar. It's what I call, it's, it's almost like employment without employment, if you will. And where they have maybe some collective bargaining rights or some kind of form of that, they have, especially the, the I'm talking about the revenue sports. Uh, hopefully we don't destroy our Olympic sports. Uh, we're, you know, we're true to Title IX, but that there are more equities for particularly athletes in sports that are making a lot of money and that they have some protection on health and safety and that the, uh, the system is more balanced uh, and uh, and that the college sports world can make rules without necessarily having, uh, you know, lawsuit after lawsuit. Uh, obviously, that requires Congress. Uh, this is not the best of time to get anything done through Congress, but bills are getting done. Uh, believe it or not, uh, there are things getting done in Congress. It's just a very difficult environment. Uh, there's a lot of issues here that get complicated, you know, transgender issues and all those other issues in college sports. But I'm optimistic that they can pull all this together and come up with a model that works for the student athletes and works for college sports. Gotcha. All right. That's Tom McMillan, uh, president of uh, uh, Lead 1A. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we're going to get back to it. And uh, you guys have a good weekend. And uh, hopefully uh, you're right. It's a great time for college athletics. We just don't always want to see how the sausage is made. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thanks, Bobby. You have a good one. And hook them, Tom. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.